0: Hey everybody, welcome to Generation Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John, I'm the engagement pastor here, and I'm sitting here with our lead pastor, Kyle Davies. Today is the day... God, you crack me up. I'll, I'm always curious to hear what you're going to do after I introduce you. It's always a treat. It's always unexpected. And My daughter Mia has
1: been singing that song that Charles has been singing. So I figured I'd, I'd throw a little off key and today is the day. A little shout out to Charles. Yes. A little
0: explanation why you don't get up and sing.
1: Exactly. Shout out to my daughter who absolutely loves to sing.
0: So kids say, pick up on, on what they... What I was going to say, your kids love to sing. Yes. I've even noticed little Avery... Dude, he's, he's going to be a musician. Every time music starts, he stops whatever he does to bounce and clap. Yes. It cracks me up. I think it's the yes. funniest thing. <laughs> but- yes. So welcome to Generation yeah. Church Podcast, where we talk about Kyle's kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's crack <laughs> me up but kind of getting on to what we do here uh we like to recap kind of what we talked about this past week and go a little bit more in depth and really begin to take the main takeaway and concept in which we talked about the passage we went through this week it was colossians 1 15 and 16 and how it applies to us today kyle I, it cracked me up where you began and talking about your eyesight and your history of contacts and glasses kyle Tell us, how like, how bad is it? Like, how bad's your eyesight?
1: So, on the scale of really bad to not so bad, I'm going to say I'm in the middle to bad. I'm about a 3.75, and about each eye, so if you know your contact or glasses subscription, yeah. <laughs> the, that tells you all you need to know. I'm a, I'm a 3.75. I have astigmatism in both eyes. Gosh, so, man. yes,
0: welcome to my eyesight. Man, yours is like... Double worse than mine. I barely crack like one point five and stuff, and it's gradually just gotten worse and worse. But it's okay. We pay for it. Get glasses. Yes, not, yes. Not I've too bad. I've
1: been I've been that bad for almost almost my whole life, so I'm pretty used to it. Thankfully, it's not gotten a ton worse though. So I've I've been in about that prescription a long time. But my eye doctor visit, she she laughed a little bit when I when I went in this time, and oh no, she. She likes to make fun of me because I'm always like it, it changes so much and I'm always so technical because you know when they do that, is it better or mm-hmm. worse it, on one or two? <laughs> better or worse on three and four? I always ask like what's better? Is it the boldness of the letters? Is it the clarity <laughs> of the letters? Because sometimes number three is a lot more clear. But the letters on four has come through a lot bolder. The black is blacker and the three is yeah. co- so so You're i my like right now, after. I've
0: never thought of this. It's just a subconscious. I'm like, uh, I liked that one better. I'd rather see that than that, but I don't know. Yes,
1: so there is there's your insight into my doctor's visit, so pray for my eye doctor as I go okay. back here to figure out if these new contacts actually have helped me in work. Now, what everyone does need to know, and this may be a little TMI, is I sleep in my contacts as well. So my contacts... You did, sleep
0: in your contacts? I, yeah, deteriorate. Dude, that's like one
1: of the first things they say. Don't sleep in your contacts. Yes. Take them out. I almost don't take them out for a full month until it's time to change them. Do you
0: change them each month? I was gonna say, I don't. I don't know many. Oh, I, actually, I, I gotta lie. Hannah does. Hannah changes it right on the first of the month. I was Hannah. gonna
1: say, Ruth's got her, her her contact schedule changing the calendar. I'm not quite every month, but I do know when I'm getting time to change them because they get really oh, yeah. foggy and everything. Hurt
0: I can't imagine what my eye doctors think when I go in like a year, year and a half later, and I only bought like a six month subscription. And I come back, and I'm like, yeah, I still have some. Yeah. Uh, that's probably not the best. Yeah. We don't
1: let our eyes breathe, but I didn't know your eyes could breathe. But
0: anyways. You crack me up. But you really took this whole <laughs> idea of your eyesight um, kind of struggling. You having some blurriness and seeing the letters on the screen, you really began to tie this around into sometimes in how we view Jesus, how mm. we view Christianity and some of that stuff. So let, let me ask you this. With the parallel of the fuzziness of our eyes, what is some fuzziness our culture and the world around us has about Jesus? Mm. What are some misconceptions, some false ideas? What it, how does the way our culture view Jesus contradict with how uh, Scripture views Jesus? Uh, that's such a good question. And this there are always
1: popular answers. So the, the, the kind of pop answers or the pop responses... To that is well, people think Jesus is a good teacher, or they they think uh, he's he's some great historical figure. Or he was just a man that, uh, because of his followers, eventually became known or associated with mm-hmm. God. That's that's Bart Ehrman's argument in a lot of cases. Uh, how how Jesus became God. There's a book he wrote. I don't recommend it because honestly, <laughs> his 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 logic there is. It is flawed. Um, I don't want to dismiss the 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 attempt to understand Jesus. I don't want to dismiss that because I think we should we should approach Jesus in a very honest way. Um, but I, but I think there's sometimes there there's some flawed logic as as he approaches. Jesus, but So sometimes it's a prophet. So other religions hold Jesus as, as a prophet, mm-hmm. as someone worthy of honor. That's specifically um, Judaism or, or Islam. Um, some religions think of Jesus as a created being and who did die for the salvation of mankind. However, they think of Jesus as a created being and not holy God. Um, God and man, and so there's some different
0: thinking around the theology
1: and the composition of Jesus.
0: So let me let me pause you there real quick. So you talked about some religions view Jesus is just a prophet. Mm. What like how like what does that mean? So it means Jesus
1: took the the wisdom and teachings of God and he lived it and he told
0: others how to live it. Okay, and so s- it acts as more like a messenger, a mouthpiece for God. Yes. As a man. Okay. And that's how they view Jesus in yes. those different religions.
1: Yes. And so so Jesus is worth uh, listening to, but he's not the only person you're going to listen to. So
0: they would compare him almost to like an Abraham, a Moses, an Elijah, kind of persons that spoke on behalf of God and did some good things and miracles, but wasn't actually God.
1: Yes. Yes. He's, he's not the salvific person. He's he's not the one who dies, but he is someone who who did historically live. He is someone who spoke for God, mm-hmm. but he's also not the last and final prophet. There are others after him. Gotcha. And so, so he is one of the options as you seek to live a life
0: devout to God. Okay. So yeah, unique that there's some different religions and how they still acknowledge that Jesus was a man, that Jesus was someone who lived. I always crack up when um, people, sometimes the first, I laugh that that's where you went to first because some people like to first go to uh, Jesus being blue hair, uh, blue eye, uh, yes. blonde hair. Some people go to that Yes, and talk about maybe Jesus didn't look like that and yes. some of that stuff. So interesting that you went a little bit more to some of the other religions aspect and the differences in which they have from uh, christianity and how we view jesus
1: well and i think the reason i went there first is mainly because disney plus just came out <laughs> and i equated it to this jesus plus lifestyle and i think what what most people when we think of jesus if you're not actively trying to follow him but he's passively in your life or there's an awareness of him there's a level of he's a good guy he 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 helps people be good. He's a good, maybe even model to follow. But he's one of many options, and he's not the option. He's not the way, the truth, the life, as, as the Bible says.
0: Yeah.
1: But he's he's good to meditate on or to think about. Or he may shape your generosity or your care for the the widow and the orphan or the poor or the downcast. And so he's a great inspiration mm-hmm. to do good works. In the community but again what happens is he's one of the the people that you look at to determine how you should live your faith and even he's not the primary figure that shapes your theology and it or the primary figure that shapes the way in which you live your faith he is one of the people that you may look to. And again, I'm not mm. saying that you can't look to other people or you can't look to other figures to see God's wisdom expressed. Yeah, The issue is, is when he becomes one of several versus the primary. Mm. And that's that's the big differentiation between a Jesus plus lifestyle and a, a Jesus-centered uh, life. Mm. Is A Jesus-centered life says, I'm going to take... Uh, my character and my priorities, those two phrases against, and my primary influence from that is going to be Jesus. I can see how he's exp- his character and priorities are expressed through others mm-hmm. and see that wisdom applied, God's wisdom applied. But again, he's the primary, rather than to say, hey, Jesus is one of the options we can also elevate this wisdom book. We can we can elevate this self help book. Uh, we can elevate this business textbook. We can I mean just we talked about it a couple times. Whether you go to Gary V or you go to Tony Robbins mm. or you uh, there, there's one of the the girls who write uh, girl wash your face and so and so I'm trying to think of some some of that the women might know and, and what happens is we go. Ooh, that sounds really good, but there's no, there's there's not a rootedness mm. in Jesus' life, his death, or his resurrection that ex- best express the, his character and priorities. It's you may start there with a portion of it, but when you look at the effects or the application, there's not consistency there. Yeah. And so to bring us back to the image that I started with what we most commonly see in our world are blurry pictures of Jesus. Mm. And so so especially those of you who may listen who aren't followers of Jesus or are learning to follow Jesus, we want you to go back to those primary sources. We want you to get into your Bible and read and look at what Jesus does and honestly take that approach rather than take your cues in some ways from other humans who mm-hmm. may not be the best representation of the character and priorities of jesus they're trying to in some ways to the best of their ability live out the character and priorities of jesus yeah but we again once your primary uh your your primary focus to come and filter through jesus and then there may just be some good life wisdom that you see in other areas yeah that you filter through jesus and that's what
0: Mm. Why
1: the wisdom literature in the Bible is so powerful and so good is because you get some general rules of life. Yeah. You get um, some some good ways to think about things, but you see wisdom expressed. And actually, let me say it this way. You see wisdom embodied mm. in Jesus. And that's why I keep pointing back to Jesus is it's not just, hey, here's here's a good rule of life. Here's, here's a way to be a good person. Uh, here's some just general things you can do. Because if we're honest, that can change culture to culture. It can yeah. change individual to individual. But there has to be a guiding uh, light, or in this case, a guiding person that mm-hmm. shows us what the best version of humanity is like and how to best apply God's wisdom. And we, okay. we, we, see, we see that in Jesus.
0: Yeah. So let me get here if I get you right. And this idea of this Jesus plus... Um, culture, mentality, it's almost like Jesus is like an add-on that we just supply Mm -hmm. uh, to the rest of our life, to everything else. We hold it at the same plateau of values and everything. Like our life and the hierarchy of things, we have kind of like this plateau in which we hold a bunch of things on the same level, and Jesus is just like an add-on or extension. It's almost like how, like, I have Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and all these yes. other services. It's it's, a, it's an add-on to what I'm filtering stuff through, how I evaluate, how I deem, how I live my life. It's an add-on. Is that what you're trying to say?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what happens is the algorithms on the shows. they, they say here are things you like. And what happens is when Jesus becomes one of our options, what we're going to find is there are consequences and, and values that are expressed that aren't actually rooted in the character and priorities of Jesus or, or in God's will and God's way. It, when he's on par or at the same level with everyone else, because what happens is just the algorithm of our lives, mm-hmm. Other other... Uh, values, ways things are expressed, thought process, decisions, filters uh, are placed on the same level rather than running, again, everything uh, through Jesus. And that's why it's a real important to have a good understanding of Jesus. And we may not think about like, well, do, do other people really have different understandings of Jesus? And I think the best way to approach this is to go, yeah, uh, is there are a lot of viewpoints on Jesus. And so we, we want to get the right understanding of Jesus because it's through him that Christianity, yeah. being little Christ, is <laughs> it, 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 shaped. And so so Jesus is a central figure in Christianity, and we want to get the understanding of Jesus right because when we see jesus fully we see ourselves rightly
0: mm. and so in this whole conversation of this series known of how we get to know god because he comes to us and makes himself known here in this passage in colossians 1 15 through 16 how do we see the message that's presented here from paul and his writing here what in here leads us uh to a con- what here almost conflicts with this Jesus-plus approach mentality of the culture surrounding
1: mm-hmm. us? Well, that verse at the very end of 15 and 16 says, you know, Jesus was created for all things, you know, and all for all things were created to him, for him, by him. Mm-hmm. And it's this Jesus-centered approach rather than what the Colossians were facing, again, were, well, Jesus can be one of your idols. Make sure make sure you do certain things mm. to appease all of the different potential gods, just in case one is the actual yeah. God. And so make sure make sure you do some of these extra things to make sure everyone's appeased. Oh, and Jesus is one of the options that you should you should appease. Yeah. And what Paul is saying is he's saying no, actually. He is the Lord. He is the creator of all. Everything within the earth and creation reports to him. There is a hierarchy there, and what's hard is we have (laughs) rejected a lot of hierarchies. We we want the options to be level with the playing fields to be clear, and I think in many cases, actually, Jesus gives us that. But in this case, we have to understand that he is the creator of all. All things were created for him, by him, and and unto him. Which means, as the passage says, all rulers and authorities, thrones, dominions, Mm. things visible and uh, invisible, the spiritual world reports again to him. And right now, we live in an earth that is broken and fractured. And we may be like, well, if everything reports to him, why, are, why do we see this in what we the, the most simplistic answer and all that is because we don't always perfectly choose to obey him. We have the, we have the capacity, we have the capacity to reject hmm. uh, and even sometimes the desire to reject the way God designed it. and we yeah. find ourselves in an earth where there, there has been a multitude of consequences from rejecting Mm. the right hierarchy. And what's beautiful is if I could go to Hebrews 2, when we understand that Jesus is the Lord of all, the creation of all, and what we see when we see him fully, we see ourselves rightly, what that actually means is that Jesus gives us an authority and a place within this world that's Mm. restored to what was originally in, in God's design. Yeah, and so uh, Hebrews two verses five, and I'll will start writing there. <laughs> he says, "For he has not subjected to angels the world to come that that we are talking about, but some someone somewhere has testified. What is man that you remember him?" or the Son of Man, that you care for Him. You made Him lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned Him with glory and honor and subjected everything under His feet. For in subjecting everything to Him, He left nothing that is not subject to Him. As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to Him, but we do see Jesus, made lower than the angels for a short time, so that by God's grace He might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honor because He suffered death." For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through all things exists, should make the source of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies, those who are sanctified, all have one Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. Again, I will trust him, and again, here I am with the children, God, God. Gave me. And now, since the children have flesh and blood in common with Jesus, Jesus Mm -hmm. also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who were held in slavery for all their lives the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring humanity. Therefore, he to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he was able to help those who are tempted. So that's a very long passage. (laughs) And I read that whole thing to say is what you see is we don't see things fully as they are right now. Right there in that passage, it talks about we don't always see things as they are. Yeah. We see some things that are blurry and unclear. Mm-hmm. But G- because Jesus lived on the earth, died on the cross for our sins, and was resurrected and seated at the right hand of God, and we have that faithful high priest, as that text says, he does have all ruler authority and power. And when we are connected with him, we actually go back to our place. And the hierarchy of God's design, meaning mm. that we actually have authority over spiritual beings. We have yeah. authority. We have authority over over aspects of our life that, again, we don't always fully realize. We don't. We don't. We
0: act and we live as if those things aren't true. Yeah, like you go back to the whole garden when we were first created. There is this level of role in which God calls us to to be fruitful. And to have dominion, like God, it's a
1: subrule. God, God's creation. Yeah,
0: God brought us along and gave us uh, the ability to help name the animals. Giving a name to something, yes. is to have authority. To have a yes. part to play in the creation. God and gave us a part to and play. And when in we
1: that. sin or miss the mark, as as I we've defined it before, is what we are doing is we're relinquishing that authority. Mm-hmm. We're allowing something to have authority over us. We're, we're releasing that. And so the the whole point of following Jesus is (laughs) to say, Jesus, I I believe you are who you say you are. And in some ways, when we are baptized into Jesus, we are regranted that authority. And what the cool thing is, sometimes when we think of authority, we're like, that can appear or sound domineering. No, when you look at the character and priorities of Jesus, you see Jesus is not a domineering Lord. Mm. He's a Lord that loves. He's a Lord that humbles. he's He's a king that rules well mm. so the authority we hold we should hold humbly we should be a have a people in a posture of love yeah and again just as that passage says he had to become like us this concept of god becoming man in jesus is so important so these other faulty perspectives on jesus What it does is we settle for a lesser view of God. We settle for a lesser view of Jesus and therefore settle for a lesser view of humanity.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting because there's this almost upside down mentality in a sense where we feel like, I feel like the world presents it as if we do what we want to do, then we have freedom. Mm. And to relinquish and give up some of our desires and to follow Jesus is more to kind of go under this authority in a sense, but really what we see here is that it's almost this reversal that when we surrender um, some of our fleshly desires to follow Jesus' way, there's actually freedom in there, freedom from a world in which we're oppressed and in bondage to this sin in which we mm. talk about. It's this very interesting reversal we see here, right?
1: Absolutely. I, that is that is so well put. When we When we see Jesus... And we say yes to Jesus, we're freed from the bondage of sin, and we're freed for to to live and be, have authority of, yeah. of our right, of our rightful purpose. It's just like i mean john your your wedding's coming up here yeah. here before too long, and so you saying yes to marriage with Hannah, you're saying no to relationships with other girls, yeah. Like, like at, at at the at the pure sense, when I yeah. married Ruth and saying yes to a commitment and a bondage to Ruth, my wife, I'm saying no to all of the other options. And someone will be like, "That's not that's not true freedom." Well, actually, you the, you get there's a sense of fulfillment. There's a mm-hmm. sense of joy. It's the it's an ultimate sense of j- intimacy and companionship. Yeah. That that when you fracture that out into a bunch of different relationships, you settle for a lesser view of the the, the best relationship, mm-hmm. and so you don't get the intimacy, the companionship that's that's present in in, in a marriage, and in, in all the the pleasure and everything that comes <laughs> along with that, in, in multitude, whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical, there it's 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 filled with joy and pleasure that there's because we're human there's also that lot times when we don't fully live yeah. that out well and so we miss the mark even in our in our marriages but that marriage gives us a, a good picture of how sometimes saying no to something means that we say yes to something better or yeah. in saying yes to something we're saying no to something else and that's actually that's actually freedom that's the best sense of freedom that's the best yeah. sense of Uh, authority and Mm. so i would encourage people who find themselves in a place of well isn't that limiting me in some way and it's whenever you make a choice and this this is what's so hard about the fear of better options or the fear of missing out in our world is yes when you make a choice when you make a decision you are you're by that choice you are you're putting something over something else yeah and our whole aim through this is that putting jesus over everything in our life Mm. his way will in his way hit his perspective is the best way and the reason for that is because the scripture points to it over and over and (laughs) again he's the lord and creation of all so if everything already points to him wouldn't we find the best sense of life the best sense of humanity giving him his rightful place in our lives?
0: Yeah, and so a majority of what we've talked about through this passage so far has been in almost a cultural, um, day-to-day view, uh, faulty or blurry view of Jesus. One of the things you talked about a little while ago was some of the different religious views of Jesus and viewing him as a prophet, viewing him as just a man. Here at the beginning of the passage, we see that it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And mm. You had this quote in there that said that Jesus is the very stamp of God the Father. Mm. So how, how is Jesus God, and how does this work? Ex- explain this a little bit.
1: Okay, so the word is hypostatic union. That's, that's Wait, What? A, <laughs> hypostatic union. Okay. That's what you're asking me yeah, to explain you're here. You're going to have to— Yes, uh, hypostatic union. Yeah. And it's a profound mystery. So when you listen to this, I'm not, I'm not an expert in this, what I'm going to humbly submit forward is what the tradition of the Christian faith has put forward for centuries. Yes. And so to do that, to say that God, to say that Jesus is fully God and fully man, this hypostatic union this profound mystery. Before I say this, what's called the Nicene Creed, here's what you need to know. Every major heresy or offshoot of the Christian faith comes from a poor understanding of this hypostatic union of the person of jesus mm. and so if you're thinking how you guys are taking a lot of time on this and you're throwing out some theological terms the reason why is because if you if we can have a basic or baseline understanding of this you will be able to listen and identify mm. faulty thinking faulty choices in your life lies that you are believing. Yeah. that are that are not true, and then be able to trace that back and say, what is the truth I need to believe? So in a very practical way, when again, when we understand Jesus fully, we see ourselves rightly. Therefore, we can identify lies, mm. and we can cling to the truth. Yes. So here is this Nicene Creed. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten, not made, being of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. There's that Colossians piece. For us and for our salvation, he came down from the heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. So again, notice there it says eternally begotten, but it emphasizes not made. Begotten is a weird word. It's an old old language, but it's basically saying that Jesus is of divine nature. He is the mm. Son from the Trinity. And I talked in my sermon specifically that when we have a faulty understanding of Trinity, we result to a utilitarian view of humanity. But the the big purpose here is that in the Nicene Creed, we say that the incarnation and redemption are bound up together. F- who Jesus is means something for our salvation. And so it really, again, puts Jesus as God in flesh. And so redemption requires incarnation because only a meteor who shares the characteristics of both parties, human and divine, can reconcile the two parties together. So sin is missing the mark. We miss the mark, when we sin and miss the mark, we can't have fellowship and connection with a with a holy God who, who always is always right. So we're able to be reconciled through Jesus, who is fully God, fully man, who who shares both characteristics of of both parties and is able to reconcile us, to to pay the debt that we owed God, while also God moving on our behalf so to, to, to reconcile us. And so there's a lot of other church fathers who <laughs> debated this and go around. But but I think that Nicene Creed gives you the best snapshot, yeah. which again, with that creed, what you are directly countering are uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and our Latter-day Saints or Mormons
0: mm-hmm.
1: who, who have a different view and understanding of Jesus. They may say, yeah, he died on our sins or something else. But what they say about Jesus is that he was create, created and is mm. not truly God. Was not with God in the beginning. Was not was not truly an utterly
0: God. Yeah. And so, a little foreshadowing to next week.
1: Yes, a little foreshadowing next week. So stay tuned for John's sermon as that as that comes. But the series is built on an unknowable God becoming known mm. and available to us. And he, the reason why this is so important is this profound mystery becomes accessible. Yeah. And what we're invited into is not to believe necessarily certain things. But we're invited to to begin a relationship with a person and with a God who has made himself known and available to us. Yeah. And I think the great scandal of our age, if if I may say this, there's probably a lot out there but I think it's this faulty view or understanding of what having faith and even what the word proper religion really means. There's actually this article in the Wall Street Journal from a few weeks back that my grandpa Davies uh, sent to me. And it says, <laughs> can religion still speak to younger generations? And here's this quote. It's talking about more and more people are saying, hey, they have no religious affiliation. Yeah. Here's this quote that I, w- I want to read. It says, What many nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not nuns, so nuns, no religious affiliation, have in common is a tragically narrow understanding of religion, namely that a religion is fixed set of teachings and positions, and that to be religious is to submit to them without question. It is presumed that religion is authoritative, uh, univocal, not unequivocal, univocal, and chainless, and that religious identity is essentially a matter of passive adherence. And what we're saying in this conversation, no, you don't. Your eyes don't get corrected passively.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's an active. There's an awareness. Yeah. That that comes from. Us. And and actually, we're not saying believe certain things. We're saying follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is is put what the Spirit of God is doing over you. May selfishly want. What we're saying is. You're invited into this story rather than being always identified by the sin that may divide yeah. us or that may cause judgment or bring mm. breed animosity between us, whatever you perceive sin is in the life of another. Yeah. And so what we have to, I think, rightly understand in this is religion following Jesus. Is not again believing certain things. I think when we talk about Jesus here, we're saying like, no, there is a right way to think about Jesus. Yeah. But get to know that Jesus. Yeah. Because it, it means profound things for how you live your faith every day. Mm-hmm. When you treat Jesus as one of many options, or you settle for a lesser view of Jesus. It's not that we're saying you have to believe this or or else. What we're saying is believe this. Because you will find the most fulfillment in your life because you'll be connected
0: to the actual creator, God, who
1: is the ruler, king, and Mm -hmm. lord of all.
0: Kyle, let me ask you. So, like, we've talked about this whole idea of the Jesus plus lifestyle as almost equating Jesus as on par at the same level as everything else. What do you think the hindrances and roadblocks that are present in people's lives that hinder them from putting Jesus on top of everything else? Mm Like, what... Is there one thing? Is there many things? What, what do you see as one of the main focal features in our culture today that is hindering us, holding us back, calling us not to put Jesus above everything else?
1: Man, that's a, that's a, that's a loaded question. no. know. Uh, where... In some ways, I don't know if we've taken time to identify our own hypocrisy. And what I mean by that is we have to take an honest look at our lives Mm -hmm. and see where the inconsistencies are. And so when we think about just simply living or making choices or doing whatever we do throughout the day, we don't tend to be introspective and reflective. We just simply live. And in, in some way, we, we passively adhere mm. to whatever, whatever kind of the pop theology or, or feelings of, of the day is. As, as, as we really let that shape it. We, we don't take an active role. And the moment that we have a moment of quiet to ourselves, the moment that we, there's an opportunity to be a little more introspective and say, is that actually true? Is what someone thinks about me or is what I think about myself or all the effort that I put into this, is that, is that true? Is that a lie? Where does that line of thinking, mm. where, do my, where do my choices, my attitudes and my actions, what's my justification for doing them. And so we, we we just frankly, it's easier to distract ourselves from the hard questions than it is mm. to take an honest look at our motives. And so I think I think again it's easier to scroll on your phone <laughs> than, than than admit that there might be some inconsistency mm. in our in our life and our choices, but also when we take a hard look at how we interact with other people and are thinking about ourselves and go, hey, is, is, that, is that true? Is that accurate? And then making the choice to do something different. Yeah. We like comfort. So we would rather exist in a state of knowable dysfunction and chaos
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's known than step into an unknown yeah. That that requires us to grow. I mean, I think about this as often as like when when you're working out, like when when you're lifting or doing something to yeah. gain muscle mass to get stronger, you actually have to tear the little muscle fibers and and have them be rebuilt. Mm. We don't like the pain that's associated with growth. Yeah, and so I would say it's the tendency towards distraction uh, and a lack of introspection. But then also an aversion to pain and a desire uh, for comfort and even, and even control is if it's something that's unknown, that's both, unco- it's both uncomfortable and fully uncontrollable. So in submitting your life to Jesus, what you're doing is actually, we use that word, you're relinquishing control to Jesus. And so therefore, the control of what you are about and how you're going to be, your character and priorities, you're relinquishing them
0: to God. Yeah. So if I hear you right, it's almost this fear of this introspection, this fear of evaluation of oneself and comparing how we live, uh, where we, uh, how, we, how we go about our daily lives, where we live, work, and play, how we interact, how we think. And lay that against how Jesus interacted, his characteristics, his priorities, and really evaluate, are we in continuity are we, or are we in discontinuity with it? Where are we um, hitting the mark and where are we missing the mark, in a sense? How are we um, interacting with Jesus and what does our life look like in parallel in contrast to his, almost? And, and I think,
1: to add a third, add a third piece in there, I think sometimes we assume other people are exactly like us. Mm. And so the way in which we think about things or the way in which we go about our days or our decisions, we just assume that others are going to do exactly what we do. And now cognitively, you're like, well, of course, they're not going to do that. There's different people, different personalities, different ways. But some of the biggest relational conflicts in our lives is because those in our lives Think different, are acting different, are making different choices. Then we ourselves would choose, act, or, or do, mm. and so, and even the motivation might be different. And so we assume, well, yeah, like this is the way it should be, and and we've not taken a time to to simply determine or become more aware of what is what is your reasoning. Um, and I'm not saying you have to have perfect justification for every little thing (laughs) but around here at generations church we talk a lot about the the reason or why or the reason that we do everything we're doing or why is because of jesus yeah and we want to help people understand that the choice you make whether to to go to a grocery store at this time or not that time like is it because of jesus and that maybe seem like a silly thing but it's like well if you go at the same time consistently you can see some of the same people and you can get to know some of the same people John, mm. I I know you you go to BlackRock yeah. o- often. The same time, mm-hmm. you've got to know people, yeah. and you've got to learn their story and listen to them, and get to know them. And oh, so there's a level of well, the reason why you do that would be because of Jesus. Exactly, and so I, <laughs> I I set you up for that one.
0: Yeah. Uh, Softball. You
1: know. and, well, and, and the reason is because of Jesus, and Jesus is the image of the invisible God, yeah. and humanity was made in God's image. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we, again, when we see Jesus fully, we see ourselves rightly. We will experience the best part of connection with God, but also the best parts of being human when we understand that that image connection, and we understand like you asked the barriers, so don't assume, because we know what that leads to don't don't uh, be willing to have some introspection uh, and evaluate your own life and actually have an appetite for growth or for for change. Yeah. what to change because of jesus
0: yeah there' a there's a quote you had this weekend that I thought it really hit me, and I think some other people in the room grabbed it. It was this quote you had. You said, "Your worth and value. It's not found in your usefulness. It's found in Jesus. I don't have to be good enough because God is good. God Mm. is great, and because of that, I no longer have to hold on to the lies of this world, and I can hold on to the truth, and it's I do everything because of Jesus.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the Generations Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. If you have questions, send us a message online at our website or on our social media. You can search us at WA or visit our website, MyGenerations.Church.